2: This show originally aired on February 22nd,
0: 2018. I got that sunshine in my pocket. You got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot in my body. It's.
2: It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. Coming up later in the show, we have Matt Jennings, who is author of this cookbook, Homegrown, and this is cooking from his New England roots. He loves New England, but this is a guy who takes what's natural to our region and then puts a little spin on it, so this is... Um, New England food as you've had it and have never had it. I'm with my treasured food buddies, senior contributors, Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 Robin Doyen. Aiken is with us, the senior producer. Let's do hot spots. Has anybody been any place that they think deserves uh, a shout out? Mark, how about you? I found a
3: cool little spot in Old Weather'sfield, in my own town. I can't believe I haven't been there before. It's called the Main Street Country Store right on... Main Street in Old Weathersfield, right downtown near the Village Pizza and everything else down there. And it's a couple-owned, beautiful little country store. It's got great little panty candies. And they have an amazing cheese shop. Absolutely amazing uh-huh. cheese shop. How's anything that, that you My can favorite? think of. Well, I'm probably not <laughs> anything. but They have cheeses from all the artisanal producers in Vermont and oh, New wow. Hampshire and around the United States, but also have some great cheeses from Europe and they have a really cool little cheese club that you can sign up for. It's pretty reasonable and they give you tasting notes, what goes with and little huh. crackers and things like that with it. It's such a cute Is little Is it crowded?
2: Store. Are people in there buying the cheese? People you know are what? in
3: there buying buying the cheese. I don't think it's ever a super crowded store because Old Weatherfield doesn't get That much traffic, but you're always looking for a place to get really Mm. wonderful cheese
2: around the area. I'm I'm asking because it's hard. I was just going to say, yeah, as a local store, sure. Really good cheese shop. Sometimes you have to drive 20 minutes, a half an hour, 40 minutes to get to one, and to have it right in your town. I'm thinking everybody go support them.
3: I was so impressed, Faith. I was actually looking for. Parmesan for a risotto that I needed to finish, and it was in a pinch, and I didn't want to have to go to one of the big stores. So I called down there, and she's like, well, I have two options for you. And she started explaining (laughs) the two different options, and I was like, here I come.
2: Great. They They wrap wrap it in cool paper, like Yeah, uh, the really
3: cool paper. She gave me an extra Uh, piece because she knew I'd be cutting it in Uh half. So
2: uh, give us the name again.
3: So it's the
4: Main Street Country Store.
2: Okay. Uh, let's see. Who's up next for hot spots? Chris Brossberry. Oh,
4: my God. Right here in New Haven, Taste of China. Yeah. I am in love
2: <laughs> with Also, Taste of also China. in Clinton, also Connecticut. Also in Clinton,
4: Connecticut, but I was here same in New owners. Haven. Same owners? Same owners, and I was here in New Haven last Sunday putzing around, and I was like, oh, I'm hungry, and where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And I drove right by it, and I'm like, Taste of China, the celery tofu. It's Chinese celery, which is this frilly-looking celery with dried tofu, and it's heaven. It's subtle. It's delicious. Oh, I want to try it. And then An appetizer. Um, it's, these are all appetizers okay. that I start with. I usually get like ten of them. <laughs> and so that one, the uh, Sichuan noodles, cold noodles, which are Yum. spicy but just cool enough. And then they do a cucumber with ginger, Ooh. and oh my gosh! So you take a little of the noodles and a little of the cucumber absolute heaven. Right after that comes green beans that they do with ginger. They're blanched green beans chilled with a ginger vinaigrette over them. And you can just pop them like french fries. Oh, They're that so good. Delicious. Oh, so, D- did so you good. drink wine or? Wait, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to
2: hear my favorite dish. Here.
4: Oh, wait. Oh, one more app. Shendu dumplings, which are heaven. And oh. then, so I get a bunch of apps, we share. And then Faith ruined this for me because I used to try like different things. And now there's only one entree. So I always get it right at the end. And it's the pine nut chicken. And I don't know. It comes oh, with these puffy chicken. little bread things that oh. you make little tacos with, right?
2: It is ridiculously <laughs> delicious. They do chicken with these, you know, little diced up pieces of chicken. With these toasted pine yeah. nuts, Ooh. and there are maybe a little bit of chili pepper yeah, in a there, spice. Yes. and then you're right; these sort of half moon puffed up yeah, breads, they're like little pillows. And the idea is, you take the little uh, round pillow, and you take a spoon of the pine oh. nut chicken, and you put it in, and then you <laughs> fold it in half, and you eat that little. Oh, so bread it's malleable. Yeah. It's, oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, soft like chamois oh. cloth. Oh, it is silky. crazy yeah. delicious. Wow. I don't try any of their other nuts. entrees anymore. Because pine nut
1: that's chicken. It. <laughs> it's not something you would pine normally like, no,
0: order, it's, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. Cra-
4: and I never – it <laughs> was on the menu since the beginning and I've yeah, been there a hundred <laughs> times before Faith said, have you ever tried the pine nut chicken? I'm like, no. Faith, and she how goes, did you stumble just just order that? It. Yeah, it. I, I,
2: <laughs> I, I would think I was with – um. Uh, I think I was with Elaine Godofsky. She is, you know, a regular there. And I've been there a million times with Jacques and Gloria Pepin. And we get all tons of things. But I I can't ever go there or leave there without pine nut chicken. So we can walk, right? Oh, yeah. And and (laughs) not just that, but
4: this is the other thing I do. So I finish eating. I'm stuffed. Then I have to go up to the counter and order an order of uh, the celery tofu, Szechuan noodles, and the uh, cucumber to go. Because I go home and I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was so good and you're psyched to have your leftovers and then you wake up in the morning and you're like, I want more and you're psyched to have the extra takeout. Or midnight sure. snack. Is you that an addiction? true – that's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. an addiction. It's killer, though. But you isn't know, that it's a great? It's All
2: the right. best Chinese. Here's what we're doing on the show. We thought for fun we would open it with hot spots, these places where you go and you have one dish or many dishes. It's the atmosphere you love in the place where you just say, ah, oh, this is fantastic. Alex, do you have one? You know,
1: one of my favorite spots to eat is On 20 in downtown Hartford. You're on the 20th floor, so you feel like you're in the cockpit of an airplane. And the new chef there is Chef Jesse Powers. He is amazing. He is so, so good. So for my birthday, Matthew and I did a dinner reservation. It's fun for lunch as well. And we got to get dressed up. We did the tasting menu and opted for the wine pairing as well. They have a great staff who does the wine, and we just ate and ate and ate, and the food is so beautiful. It looks like art. It's delicious tasting. It's it's Mm. regional.
2: Can you explain for people who've never been to Hartford and don't know what On20 is— the setting because it's really quite breathtaking when you're up yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it has this reputation
1: of seeming like a private club or something for maybe executives. I don't know. But it's on the 20th floor of the Hartford Steam Boiler Building. You go up into the lobby and then you take in another elevator and it brings you right up to the 20th floor. It feels very private inside. It has like carpeting and wall to wall windows. So you feel like you're, you know, like in some private restaurant, but you're not. It's open to the public. And People come tableside with a cart of wine. It's very old school, and I love it. And it's got a beautiful view of the river as well. You're, you're looking. You're yeah. looking down over the beautiful Connecticut River yeah, the and the bridges it. that are. Right I think there. you could look yeah. over to East Hartford yeah. and down. And to the me, world, it's all about the view, and it feels like peaceful. Like um, the world has order from up yeah. there. So as you're eating, because all you know Hartford traffic looks yeah. looks it, uh, and you can <laughs> see all, small at that yeah. point. Yeah. And, and you can see
4: all almost all around, right? Uh, all yeah. those around. They like, have different. Yeah, you know, they do
1: private events as well. So there's like different rooms that you could go. Into, Do you remember
2: but, what you had?
1: Oh, geez, we had a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, a liquid. So dinner. you know, it was. The, it's. It starts off with you know. I think we did uh, some fish, and then uh, the tasting menu just. It gets to that point where you know they're small, so you're just getting a few bites of different dishes. But you know, he covered the gamut from fish to like, probably like wild boar or something. <laughs> it yeah, was, I'm it's sure. a lot. Very special. So if you're looking for, you know, you want to get dressed up and you want to do something um, that's elegant. And, you know, honestly, Faith, it was not more expensive than a normal restaurant out. Right. So it feels like it should be. and But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's just like a regular restaurant.
0: Yeah.
2: And do you see everything in there? Do you have to get dressed up?
1: You know, they have a bar and a lot of people after work will go there and they're just in work clothes. But I kind of like to get dressed up every once in a while, right? And sure. And it's... Uh, And it just feels special. It was my birthday. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I had a a thing. I have a a very dear friend, Emily Cobb, who lives in Amagansett on the east end of Long Island. And I am what would be called the aunt of her dog, Bon Bon. (laughs) (laughs) So everywhere when I go to see her, we take Bon Bon. And so we will only go to places that accept Bon Bon. So this particular place, every time I see her, has become our club, and it's called Pierre's, and it's in Bridgehampton on the uh, South Fork of Long Island. So we go to Pierre's, and Emily gets every time. I mean, we're ridiculous. They practically have it the onion soup sitting in front of her (laughs) when she sits down. (laughs) Uh So she has the onion soup, and I have the Alsatian tart. (gasps) And when you're – this is a Frenchman who owns this place, Pierre's. When you have um, someone French making an Alsatian tart, that thin crust oh, with crispy. the cheese that is just <sighs> finely grated on it and the little tiny, tiny bits of bacon all oh, over it heaven. and a little bit of sort of onion flavor. It all melts it
4: together with a is, little crispiness. It's
2: so stunningly delicious. Yeah. I cannot stop I've eating this in, thing.
4: i got to go. I haven't had an Alsatian tart in years. Yes. Yeah. And and I still the dog, love the dog.
2: <laughs> so the dog,
4: sits it, sits with it. honestly,
2: yeah. when we get within a half a mile of the restaurant, Bon starts Bon starts squealing. squealing in the back seat of my car. And I would say to Emily, does he need to get out? She mm. said, no, he's just excited. He knows where we're going. So he has baguette with butter oh throughout gosh. the meal. So we each take turns breaking off pieces of bread. We'd butter them, and then quietly slip them down. <laughs> then the, the wait staff brings water for him. It, they just love dogs. That's
3: adorable. That's wonderful. It's fantastic. Really
2: so, hot spots. And, you know, I'd like to invite you right now on Facebook, if you've got a hot spot where you went for a particular dish and you think this You know, this is great. I will return here to try this particular dish. Would you let us know? Because you're going to turn all of us and everybody else onto a special dish. Our address on Facebook is Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Okay, and we'll chat back and forth about this. It's
1: such a cool idea. I think of um, my favorite restaurants, and I always tell my friends, "Go there, tell them that you're friends with Alex and Matt, and, and tell them to order what we order." Because it's there, there's truth to that, right? Like <laughs> yeah, because oh, totally. there's certain things that, like yeah. Forbidden City. I don't know what's on the menu. I just know Eric always yeah. makes me these certain things. Yeah. Forbidden City in Middletown. We always go there and say, "Tell Eric to order what Matt and Alex, you know, get." Because I don't know what's on the menu. I just, you know, he brings us out this stuff, so it's it's fun to just say, you know. uh, So it'd be fun on Facebook if people tell us where to go and and what to order.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm imagining Um, our listeners going to restaurants saying, "Hey, Alex and Matt sent us," and the the, person saying, uh, "Do you know Alex and Matt?" No, (laughs) just heard him on the radio, and they told me to come here and order what they ordered. Actually, I, I mean, don't we feel when we meet listeners or a digital friends? When when we meet you out there, it does feel in both directions like we totally. know each other, don't yeah, you? Don't you agree. find that? Like we, we have this, we've never actually seen each other, but we have this ongoing relationship. So you just say you're friends of ours. <laughs> for sure. Robin, do you have a hotspot? Oh well, recently I went to Heirloom at, at the study at Yale for yeah. the first time,
0: and oh, yeah. great place. talk about people. The warm ricotta oh, appetizer. Yes. Right, face? With,
2: with the truffle oil. Mm
0: hmm. And oh. that beautiful bread that they bring out. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. I was I'm hungry. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Uh. I, I went there before a show and it was an hour well spent, I'll tell you that. This yeah. is the study yeah. at Yale. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's right down on the the main drag in New Haven, and um, it's the restaurant itself is called Heirloom. It's a yeah. beautiful space.
0: Yeah, very beautiful happening
2: hotel. Yeah, it really is. The
0: bar was great, filled. I was going to say great place for, yeah. Yeah, great cocktails. for cocktails. Yeah. I was just
4: going to say that. You know, I don't drink cocktails out a lot, but whenever I go there, it just you sit down at the bar for a second, all, and I'm just about ready to order a glass of wine or something, and you just look around. And you're like, no, this is the
1: place you have to have a cocktail. Oh yeah, right. It just yeah. Yeah. feels like a great place to have a cocktail. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it does. Have you guys gone to places that will have like a backgammon table or something where you go in, oh, yeah. can have a cocktail and at play like at backgammon? At Do
2: you know Winvian, the resort? Oh, yeah. In Morris, know, Morris, in, Connecticut. Morris, Connecticut. Morris, yeah. Connecticut. So around Litchfield. Love that place. Winvian, not only is the chef just staggeringly good, but they have a game room. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. anyone can use the game room before <laughs> – the meal, yeah. so you can go early, have a drink, play checkers, play, you like can play, checkers. you yeah, can't imagine yeah. what's yeah. there. indoor <laughs> shuffleboard,
3: air <laughs> hockey, pool, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. checkers, yeah. chess. Yeah, beautiful pool table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. That is they so did so think fun. of everything. It's the most. Fun. They did think of everything.
2: It's so beautiful. No and pinatas. Spring, uh. <laughs> spring is coming. Yeah, yeah. Oh, talk about a special
4: occasion place, right?
2: Yes, but I would say that if I lived right next to Winvian... I would be there, honestly, I would go every <laughs> single week. And the food ranges from the simple, yes. you mm-hmm. know, I would try and have a lunch. And then when I could afford a bit more, I would have dinner there, beautiful wine pairings with the food.
4: Mm-hmm. And the gardens in the spring and the summer, oh, the gardens are just gorgeous.
2: Yes. And the spirit of the people, so professional, so Warm at the yeah. same time, not in any way snooty. Yeah. Rock on, yeah. as the chef says. Yeah, okay. So that was fun. Hot spots. <laughs> yeah. So in our next segment, I can't wait for this. Alex Province has discovered a wine for us, and what happens is that uh, Alex, Mark, and other people will submit wines. We try them. And then we say thumbs up or thumbs down. And uh, usually, if we're talking about it on the air, it's because we've all tried it and said, this is a great wine. We have a great white wine to tell you about. It's a Chenin Blanc, and it is from the Loire Valley in France. It's widely available. It's a little over $15, so it's a, it's a very good price point. We'll tell you all about it in our next segment. And don't forget, also coming up, Matt Jennings, author of Homegrown, using his New England roots, doing stuff and then putting a little twist on all of our New England favorites. So it's a lot of fun. I really like this cookbook. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back.
0: He likes bread and butter, he likes toast and jam, that's what baby feeds him, he's a loving man. Well, I like bread and butter, I like toast and jam, that's what baby feeds me, I'm loving man.
2: You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired on February twenty second, twenty eighteen. You know what cornbread.
3: beans go with? Cornbread, baby. Beans and cornbread.
0: Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, "Now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night." Beans. Ah.
2: Okay, here we go. Faith Middleton here inviting you, my partners in crime and I are inviting you to sign up for our free podcast, which is you know, a copy of the show, essentially, that comes to you with no effort. It just shows up in your inbox, and you can listen to the Food Schmooze anytime you want. If there's something you wanted to remember from a show, some ingredients on something, you've got a whole archive of them. It's pretty fantastic. It's the way so many people listen right now. So you just go to our site, foodschmooze.org, and you'll see – sign up for the podcast. You just do that once. And you're done. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Wine brokers, Alex Province, Alex from Hartford, and Mark Raymond of Weathersfield are our wine guys on the show. Senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken. We promised we would have a little wine tasting. I'm excited about this wine. We'll do a little pouring in the glass. Oh, great, thank you. Okay, so uh, Alex Province found this for us. This is called uh, S- you're so good at that. M- <laughs> Saumur. It's a 2015. If you go to our website, we have this all spelled out. We have a picture of the label. Call your wine store because they can't stock everything, <laughs> but it is easily available. Right? They will bring it to sure. you within 24 hours, yeah. and then you're not wasting a trip. So the vineyard making this is called Domaine Lavigne. This is like straw in a glass, Mm. that yellow straw. What does this taste like in the mouth? So the first
1: thing I do is I smell it, and I get flowers. It's just floral and and springy. Do I get peaches? Like You get white I peaches. Know. I don't know. Maybe black maybe. <laughs> peaches. A wine I pink peaches. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a, a peach. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. I, I get black
2: peaches. <laughs> there's Go some ahead.
1: grapefruit and some lemon. Mm. And then mm. once you taste it, the first thing you get is beautiful acidity. And that's what makes a good white wine. You want to taste acidity. And you can taste acidity, you know it's acidity when your mouth starts to water. Mm -hmm. So you start producing, you know, kind of funny to say, but saliva, and And, that's the acidity. And
2: yet, because people will say, well, why do I want something acid in my mouth? And yet, this is why a winemaker is good. There is a roundness, a little voluptuousness to a wine that's well balanced so there's the right. acidity that it's great for food and so then this roundness for mouthfeel and So it's not it,
3: a bracing acidity it's really just soft and soft Well supple. that's where a
2: good
1: winemaker comes in if it's too strong then that's bad and if it's not there it's flabby and that's not good but they say the the acidity magnifies the fruit so you actually just like Chris yeah. would do a squeeze a lemon on brings a piece of fish flavor. it yep. brings out the flavor mm-hmm. so in the mouth it's springy and light and bounces around as they say And almost tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc. The grape is Chenin Blanc, which is a neat grape. You know, they do a lot in South Africa. One of my favorite grapes. So someone who likes a Sauvignon Blanc would enjoy this.
2: Yes. A little more elegant, though, because most Sauvignon Blancs are a little, you know, baseball bat in the head. It
1: can be kind of monochromatic. And a little less on the grapefruit note. We were laughing last night because we had it with uh, tacos. And nice. so awesome. today we had it with short ribs, yeah, which it was and great. And yeah, I never
2: even thought about uh, how great. white wine. I never even thought about that. And it was perfect. short
0: ribs.
4: And it was With the moxie beans. Yeah. Moxie
2: beans. That's coming up in our next segment. And it's this fabulous dish with moxie soda to cook the beans in and the short ribs. And we had that meat with this white wine, and I thought, oh, who cares? And then I thought, yeah. this is fantastic it together. It really was. The sweetness yeah. that was in the dish the was cut. Really, so refreshing. And, and that beautiful. just tells
4: you the structure of this wine, right? It can stand up against soda braised beans and short
1: ribs. What kind with of mustard tacos sauce. did you
2: have? You when you had? Yes, that's right, mustard right. sauce. So, tacos you had two
1: nights ago. We roasting a chicken's fun, but we only normally eat like a few. And then I make a stock with the bones and then the meat went in the refrigerator. And then last night, Matt sautéed some green pepper, some onion, and then throws in the chicken and made kind of little fajitas and put them in corn tacos. And nice. then, you know, so in preparation for the show, I had a bottle and it just worked really well. It's the acidity in French wines, particularly this style that just works really nicely
2: with food. Yeah. So it's a condiment. This, so this saumur is around $18 a bottle. And I know people kind of want to stop at 15 So I'm saying that this wine is worth the extra $3. <laughs> Go hours. for the well, extra 3 yeah, No, one. I mean, but yeah. you know, you begin to say, hey, come on, that's not fitting my budget. And yeah. But if you can swing the extra $3, this is a very good wine. And This is from the Loire region, right? Tell us about where in France.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the Loire is it's such a long river. If you go to Google Maps and you follow it, it goes (laughs) all the way (laughs) from the Atlantic, (laughs) you know, where Muscadet comes from, where they do oysters. And then it goes all the way to, like, Switzerland. So it goes all across France. And this is in the middle part of the Loire. And, you know, it goes... Right underneath Paris, and you know, I think in the old days you would know, Chris. You are half French. People vacation a lot in the Loire. It's like paradise of of France. Warmer weather, Mm -hmm. yeah. The gardens and beautiful. This is
2: why there is a roundness in this white wine because there is almost a sweetness to them. They're so. Fruit forward, fruit forward, and yes. so this is a wonderful balance. Put right? it this
1: way: there's a palm tree that grows on the property. See, that's how you oh, know. that's I how mean, you know it. how warm yep. it stays. And, and,
2: and, and know, do they have an apartment? Yeah, the that we're gonna really stay. at. To you know, <laughs> and and when people say no, you know friendly. wines,
1: wines are expensive. You know, it is eighteen dollars, but when you think about it, it's less than five dollars by the glass. There's four glasses in a bottle, so if you're with a friend, it's not not. <laughs> her- yeah, or if you're by yourself, no, but, <laughs> no, dude.
2: no, but yeah, it's no. Um, I'm just thinking. What's the size of the most glass? people would say? <laughs> There are six glasses in a bottle, so this is. Oh, I was going to say two. Uh, I just
0: (laughs) doubled it. This is a judge-free zone, right?
1: But it is interesting that it's a family-produced wine. They only have five hectares, so it's less than ten acres of land. They produce a small amount. It's a father, his daughter, and and Mm son-in-law that do it. And so all of this stuff, when you have hand-pick grapes and you're making stuff by hand, and it comes from a real place, you know, it's hard to do that stuff inexpensively. It's not industrial. And so, this brings you to that place. That's when I was tasting it. It really authenticity. does. It brings you yeah. to that place. It makes you
4: want warmer weather. Like as I was drinking it before, I was thinking, I was like, boy, I'm ready for spring. And I'm like, why am I ready for spring? And I'm swashing it around and smelling. And I'm like, because it has that kind of warm weather feel. And the association well, with it. Yeah. yeah,
2: One of the reasons we were excited about this wine that Alex found is because this is when we start to say – I need the brightness of lemon and orange in my food if not in my drinks. Mm-hmm. And so here is something that is giving you. And to be mm-hmm. able to have a white wine that looks like hay, that yellow yeah. hay in the glass, with meat and beans that have been roasting for the longest time is extraordinary. That's ma- crazy. Soda. It's crazy yeah. to think that. I didn't even think about it when we were eating you it. You can on. have it with anything you're serving. Maybe like, not minute. red sauce, you spaghetti know. and it's almost
1: um, uh, trout season. Yeah. So imagine oh, a beautiful gosh. piece of trout, like stuffed Butter with and mint almonds. on the inside, oh, yeah. and nice and fresh and clean yeah. and healthy.
2: Yeah, pork chops. I would have this oh, with yeah. pork chops.
1: You know what else is neat? The bottle is so bright green, and the label so white. It even doesn't it look and it's, like a. F- it's fresh... an Im-
2: a bottle embossed with a mm. kind of fleur de lis. Mm built right into the glass. It's very pretty, a nice wine to bring to somebody's house. Absolutely. Uh, Because it's a good aperitif wine, too. Not only great with meat, this white wine. This wine, by the way, Saumur, is on our website, foodschmooze.org. So can I tell you all about this recipe? I have this book that I love and turn to all the time, and it's How to Cook French Food in 10 Minutes. Oh, wow. And nice. every every recipe in it, in every possible category we is We all need there. that book. I need that book. And mm. so one of – I saw my favorite and I thought, oh, I need to remember to put this on. Chris, it's a take on your short ribs and beans that okay. we're going to hear about next. Yeah. This is a recipe where you get a can of white beans. Sure. You just drain them the way you do. If you want to rinse them, go ahead. And then you get a couple pork chops. Yep. And you fry them in a cast iron skillet. Salt and pepper? Yes, salt and pepper. You know, a sure. little bit of whatever right. you like to fry them in. A little bit of oil that you Canola, like. olive oil. Sure. And Bacon then fat. fry them for a few minutes on the first side. And then you're flipping them over. So the first side is made this little like crispy bits in the bottom. Yeah, Yeah, you call it fond. Little crispy stuff going on down the bottom of the pan. And now you're going to do the second side. And that would be the halfway mark in the Mm -hmm. cooking. You just dump the beans in. As is. Yep, right out of the can. Stir it in there. And let it cook, And the beans start to soak up a little bit of the pork juice and mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit of the crispy bits. You, scrape that you cook off. it for a few minutes, and the beans are heated up, and then boom onto the plate. There you go, Pork mm. chops with and white it's beans by the that vinegar of that the pork is a chop. French country meal, yeah, simple they do this in the countryside. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to be soaking these no. beans overnight. You don't have to
4: little mustard you know, on the side, and I'm in heaven. You
2: know, we work. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, right. It's a brilliant little so whole grain it's mustard. Does it get a little soil? splash you can throw of vinegar? garlic in there? Le- vinegar, anything
0: you want. Yeah. White beans and vinegar, <laughs> is so but keep good. it
4: simple. That's the key.
2: Yeah, right. Don't have to do all
4: this crazy work with all these tons of ingredients. That shows you. I'm always surprised. There's one recipe I always do. That's uh, um, it's a potato salad. With green beans, and it comes from Linda Juca, my partner. And every time I make it, it just blows me away. It's her mother's recipe, and it only has like potatoes, green beans, garlic, mint, and the teeniest bit of salt. And that's it. It has nothing else. Every time I make it, I go, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever eaten because sometimes when you start throwing things in and you're like vinegar and this and that and this and that, you lose the authenticity, the the nuances of just something as simple as these beans cooked – With the pork chop. So like Faith said, the juice from the pork chop is going to come out. The fat from the pork chop is going to come out. You have the flavor that these little bits got caramelized on the bottom of the pan. And now you're scraping that up and the beans release this little bit of liquid that helped loosen that. And it all becomes this one simple amazing dish that you don't need to keep putting stuff in it. Sometimes it's just perfect
2: as is. Imagine doing this It's a one-pan dish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like a cast iron on a fire. Go camping or car. Camping,
2: totally. sit out yeah. with nothing else. Right? Yeah. Simplicity. Yeah, we don't even need to go camping. Go no. camping Just in your own oh, That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very simple to do. And so, yummy, right? And so yeah. delicious. Probably yeah. one of
4: the best meals you've had. In right? Well,
2: in, I do. You know, I do it kind of regularly. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you know, yeah. people like pork, or they don't. And I have. Oh, we got to get the name it. of the book. Yeah. yeah. How how I, gotta, I think it's how to cook French food in ten minutes.
4: It's on Amazon. I already ordered it because I two have the copies, one step. Two. I have the one step ordering where you only have to hit the button once. And okay. It's already so what done. do you got? What? It's seven ninety nine Amazon Prime. I'll have it in the morning. It is called French Cooking in Ten Minutes, mm-hmm. and if you could help me with the pronunciation of the name, I'd be most appreciative. Oh, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna <have> get <laughs> that, and he's, I'm half French. If so Dad's have, listening,
0: <laughs>
4: I can. Yep.
2: Edouard de Pomian. Beautiful. <laughs> Didn't
4: you believe? Edouard. How
2: did I do? Uh,
4: just, I think you did great. I'm just not good with the pronunciation. I can hear it, but I can't... You
2: can't I are know, you crazy? Of I course know. you are. Oh. Alright, listen. We've got to go because in our next segment, I've been waiting for this, as you have too. Matt Jennings is our guest. He's done a book called Homegrown. He is a New England guy. He has a restaurant in Boston. He loves to take the New England classics and put a spin on them. uses New England family recipes. He understands that New England is made up of many cultures. He is the most wonderful and smart cook. And we made some of his stuff. We're going to tell you all about it. You're going to love this. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. You can get a podcast of our show delivered to your inbox every week at fuchmoose.org and we'll be right back.
0: I took a trip to Boston, I was feeling in the mood For a plate of that wonderful, famous food When I got there, I had a big shock. Just about as big as a whole city block They have no beans in Boston, plenty of fish Tiny food, if that's your dish Steaks and chops are a beautiful fare I couldn't find any Boston Beans there And when Paul Revere rode his horse that night And lit those lanterns before the big fight He must have been hungry when he got back Boston Beans would have been a beautiful snack They have some tea leaves left from that well-known party Great museums if you're feeling hearty they have Cambridge and Harvard and MIT. They didn't have any beans for me. No beans in Boston. Plenty of fish. Tiny's food, if that's
2: your dish. And You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired on February 22, 2018.
0: I've
4: already been to Paris, i already been to Rome,
0: and what did I do but miss my home? I have been out west to California, but I miss the land where I was born.
2: This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the East End of Long Island, the Hamptons included, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken. And to hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at three, podcasts, etc., at foodschmooze.org. We've been telling you this is coming, and here it is. The name of this cookbook is Homegrown. We've been waiting for this on the show. And our guide, the author, is Matt Jennings. He's really pretty much of an awesome guy. We've got him lined up on the phone. Because here's what he said in the introduction. When I say that I cook New England food, this is what I mean. A cuisine rooted in early American history, altered by immigrants from all corners of the globe, and further informed by my own travels around the world. So when I cook, the food I make celebrates this region, its ingredients, geography, and climate, its history and traditions. I hope the book Homegrown gives you a glimpse and a taste of the place I'm so proud to call home. That's a great introduction, Matt. Welcome to the Food Party. Hey, thank you for having me. Great oh, to be here. Great to have you. Really great to have you. I also want to thank you for giving us permission to put three of your recipes that we love up on our food site, foodschmooze.org. We're going to get to those in a second. I'm going to start with something from your book that is not on our website because I think my partners in crime here are going to love this. This is called Evie's Pub Cheese.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Explain how this came to be, and then we'll talk about what you do to make this.
5: We were one of the first people to pronounce my grandmother's name correctly. It was Evie, not Evie, so she'd be very happy to hear that. I grew up with this uh, recipe. Evie was my grandmother, and she was an incredible cook, really more of a baker than anything. But she, she had a few savory recipes up her sleeve, and this was one, and it was a super simple kind of uh, afternoon pre-football delicacy that uh, she'd make for my grandfather, uh, <laughs> which was just that. a big kind of pot of all these uh, grated uh, cheese mustard you- mixed up together.
2: This is so fun. I would run and get the book because of this recipe. Listen to this. <laughs> this is large amounts of um, <laughs> Colby cheese, Hellman's mayonnaise, Ooh, and idea. then sour cream, cream cheese, And then a white onion that's grated on a box grater, red bell pepper that's finely minced up, and then minced up cornichon pickles and a little bit of that pickled juice, which I think is a secret weapon, a scallion that's finely chopped, onion powder, a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, some sweet Spanish paprika, Dijon mustard, ground turmeric, celery seed that you crush, a garlic clove, very finely minced, and about 10 dashes of hot sauce and then some salt and pepper. And know, get honestly, me the
5: chips.
1: <laughs>
2: Describe this. Is this yeah. unbelievable? It's a like cocktail hour. This goes, what, into the oven, everything, right?
5: Oh no! This is a no-cook uh, situation. It's, it's a dip, essentially, but it's you know it's basically the the northern version of pimento cheese. You know, so this. Nice. Yeah! Wow!
4: <laughs> I love it. We'll call it New England pimento cheese.
2: Yeah, but what about <laughs> the yeah, but going. Matt? What about the Colby? Because I kept looking. I think I thought, how is she? getting that colby to melt that way
5: it's just really finely grated so basically this was uh in england you know the, in pubs this was an item that would sit out kind of on the butcher block counter that uh the, the gentlemen then when they come in after work and have their pint would kind of gather around dunk pieces of bread or stale crackers in this pub cheese and it was just became kind of a social event well my grandfather's from yorkshire england and so when he came over here as a kid this was something his father my great-grandfather so this recipe kind of came into our family as one of the real traditional English kind of staples of yeah. pub, pub culture. And so my grandmother just took it and uh, tweaked it and made it her own, and something that we grew up with. So no cook, it's just great, and combine all these elements together, stir it really well, and you're Oh, off. I love it.
2: Now, we love our Southerners, but you've got nothing on us when you see this recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put it on slabs of white
1: bread. Yeah. Oh, Make my God, i put it on my shoes yeah. and eat it. It's really
2: <laughs> fabulous. Okay, let's go to one of the recipes we do have on the site. This is your milk-braised chicken legs. We love milk-braised pork, and I've Mm. been wondering if you could do a milk-braised turkey, how it would work with chicken, and here comes your recipe with this spiced rice. So tell us how you came upon this.
5: Well, this was kind of another one of those cold-weather New England discoveries that just happened to work. You know, we always... Love sourcing products for the restaurant and for my home from kind of those places that you can trust and where you know the producer. And so we're always seeking out high-quality ingredients, whether it's dairy or, or fish or meat or uh, vegetables. I think this was uh, one of those things that we came up with kind of after a market stop one day. A farmer's market stop picking up some fresh milk and, you know, some fresh poultry and some other things and just kind of put this together. Mm-hmm. So it was a wonderful or continues to be a wonderful uh, indoor farmer's market in the wintertime in Providence, Rhode Island, where I used to live. And so yeah. we brought a bunch of these things home and, and got cooking. But milk has a really interesting ability to break down protein structure and, and meat because of that lactic acid. So it tenderizes while it's cooking. So it's one of the beauties of this recipe is that you come out with, well, uh, you know, it may not be this kind of... Uh, stunningly, uh, you know, centerfold quality (laughs) visual because you do have some, you know, coagulation of the curds and some some separation of the milk as it cooks. You have this incredibly Mm. rich, decadent, uh, delicious...
2: Oh, I know. ...very very
5: tender chicken, yeah.
2: So, everybody, I mean, you can see this at our site, foodschmooze.org, thanks to Matt and the publisher. But imagine this. So you've got... Chicken thighs with the bone in, because they're going to be more flavorful, right, Matt, mm. this way with the bone exactly. in. And then a little salt and pepper and a little canola oil and some unsalted butter and pearl onions and a few celery stalks and some orange zest and mm-hmm. um, star anise and a cinnamon stick. You can thicken this with a little all-purpose flour, or if you're somebody who's got gluten issues and you want to use cornstarch, you could do that too. Right, Matt? Sure. Um, Whole milk, a bay leaf, this all comes together together. As Matt says, it breaks down the protein in the chicken, and all that juice in the milk also creates an amazing sauce. Mm. So you've mm-hmm. got your sauce oh, still there, yeah. and then you've got a spiced rice that you serve with this, which is um, garlic and coriander seeds and cumin seeds, brown rice, and a little bit of butter and scallion all diced up, and you start putting the chicken on top of that rice oh. with the gravy. How about that? I lived in Providence, too, Matt, and um, loved Rhode Island, loved Providence. I know the farmer's market stuff that you're talking about, so this is, I'm really into what you're into. So Chris Prosperi, yes, it is. So Chris Prosperi, our resident chef here on the show, we asked Chris, we said, Chris, would you make these short ribs? That are in the book and on our website, foodschmooze.org. These are the braised short ribs with moxie beans. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. We're
2: talking about moxie soda Yeah. to yep. flavor this. So, Chris, oh, tell, us about this the beans. <laughs> tell, tell us how this was. Tell us how this is. The short ribs, it's all about
4: the beans, though. And you know what? I didn't think I was all in because of the soda, but boy, when we ate it, yeah. I noticed, and this yeah. rarely happens, I looked around the table. And all the plates were clean.
1: Yeah. And I was like,
4: wow, they really – the beans were
1: gone. It was really good. It
4: was almost addictive, right? Because yeah. you kept like, oh, I'll just take one more well, bite. I... It's that thick slab bacon, bacon that's crisped on top that got all mixed with in the there. With the moxie soda. the soda.
2: Did this happen to you? When we were eating this dish of uh, Matt's, I tasted the beans and I said, wow, that is quite on the sweet side. I'm going to eat all of my short rib. And I ate it. And then I put my fork down, and then I was staring, looking at the beans, and I picked my fork back up, and I had a few more mouthfuls of beans. Then <laughs> I put my fork down, and then we were talking, and then I picked it back up. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't stop the eating mustard.
4: Them gets into the beans because it's a mustard sauce. Like you you braise it and then you finish the sauce with some whole grain mustard. And oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you. So the beans, you've got kidney beans and they're dried, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Little canola oil and salt. The moxie soda. And if you don't have that, you could use Dr. Pepper, people. Um, Apple cider vinegar and bacon slices. Then you do your short ribs with the usual suspects, garlic and chopped tomatoes and dry red wine and beef stock and whole grain mustard. And it all gets cooked and it's served together and it is...
4: Beans. And was it hard for you to do? No, no. You you soak the beans and you cook them, and then when they're pretty much all the way cooked, you know, maybe all, not quite. You take them, you strain them, and then you put them in a heavy-bottom Dutch oven, and you pour over the soda which again, I was like, bubbles up, bubbles up. Yep. And then you mix in some tomato paste and then some apple cider vinegar. And Remember Moxie has a little bitterness, right? So it has the bitterness. It has the sweetness. Sweetness. And then you put a little apple cider vinegar, which gives it a little sourness. And then it gets this thick sliced bacon. So you mix all all that up, you put it in the thing, and then the bacon you cut into pieces and lay it on top. And let me tell you the smell coming out of the oven. Everybody started coming over like, what are you making? I'm like, you got work to do, people. Get back to work. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? I'm like, is that the thing the moxie went in? I'm like, yeah, that's what the moxie, that my kitchen staff, they ate half of it before I could even pack it.
2: It's like a, it's like like a crazy new
4: or Boston baked
2: bean, right? It's like beans, a hole in the ground beans, except with like, what the heck went in that hole? How did you get to moxie?
5: Because let me tell you, that's what did it. All my recipes start out with the intent of being a study in contrast, so And this recipe is exemplified by, you know, sweet, salty, sour, bitter. Uh, You know, we've got a little Mm. bit of that acid in there. We've got the kind of fattiness of the beef and like everything comes together to to play really nicely together. It's like a bunch of ingredients in a sandbox. You know, they got to get along.
2: (laughs) I Um, know. I love um, that you do that. This is what we mean when we say he's spinning our New England tradition just as people did back then. Matt, one of the things you say in this recipe that I really love, and again, it's in your book, which is called Homegrown, uh, Matt Jennings, and also on our website, foodschmooze.org, you say in a description that short ribs, and I agree, they improve when they've sat around for a little amount of time. So if you make the short ribs a day ahead, right?
5: Yeah, I like to make them the day ahead, and, uh, and this recipe is really best the next day reheated, to be perfectly honest, because it fits in its own juices, and everything kind of absorbs, and you get just uh, the flavor is really much more nuanced uh, day two.
4: Yeah, the beans too, right? The beans were great last yeah. night. They were yeah. even better today.
2: So let us yeah. tell you something that happened. One of our partners in crime here, Mark Raymond, was so inspired by what you did that he used what he had at hand and something kind of special happened. Mark, what would you do? Well,
3: I just replaced the moxie with uh, root beer. And um, I did it because my son loves root beer. And I knew if I told him that I was actually braising short ribs in root beer, he might actually eat them. For a 13-year-old, you know, you always got to try and... Tantalize them in some way to eat that whole meal, you know? Because it's always a struggle.
2: Daniel, there's a Klondike bar in (laughs) here.
3: And I'll tell you what, Matt, it worked. It worked really well. It was really cool. Love the recipe.
2: Matt, do you think that no matter what dark soda you put in, if you put in Moxie or Dr. Pepper or Mark's Root Beer, maybe even a cola, would they all end up tasting the same, or are they going to have different flavors?
5: Well, they're all going to be a little bit different. You know, I mean, Moxie has this gentian aspect to it, this gentian root flavor, which is really makes it really unique. Hmm. It's almost like an herbaceous uh, quality to it, yeah. which the others don't necessarily have. But, you Yum. know, I mean, if you're a root beer guy you know, try, or a gal, try root beer. One of the things I keep telling everybody about this book is that I would prefer that they use it as a jumping off place to be inspired to cook, right? So uh, they should be using these recipes as a base guideline and look at them and say, oh, this is a really cool idea. I love how he does this. What if I do this at home or I don't have access to this ingredient? Maybe I can substitute this. I think, you know, that's Uh, more about
2: for me. I prefer that people be cooking
5: more so than not. So using the book as inspiration is, is great.
2: So I love the book. Now I'm madly in love with you. Because only someone with real vision and generosity would say, You don't have to follow my recipe exactly. So thank you, Matt.
1: I was thinking imagine trying to make those short ribs or the beans using Aperol.
0: Oh, yeah, right. What would happen? I don't know. (laughs) Matt, what would happen?
5: (laughs) I don't know. That would be uh, those would be some potent beans, though. That's cool. <laughs> Alex is making them this weekend. If you want to come over, get <laughs> like a little orange, but so helpful.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, all those roots and herbs. Okay, besides the short ribs on the site, we asked for one more recipe because this is a favorite of mine and Robin's chocolate beet cake. This one has a chocolate orange glaze, and we put this recipe up on the site, foodschmooze.org, and of course it's right here in Matt's book, Homegrown. You know, there's something that happens with beet and chocolate. It's a natural pairing. It's surprising. Mm. You can't taste the beets, and yet the moisture from them is there, and the the health from them is there, and it's just gorgeous with the chocolate.
5: Well, I think what's nice about the beet is that it adds a little bit of moisture. It adds a little bit of residual sweetness that is not like a refined sugar sweetness necessarily, but more of that kind of right. subtle vegetal sweetness. Just kind of one of those things where you can look to ingredients that may be unusual and begin to incorporate those into your recipes, even into In this case, sweets.
2: We're talking about butter and olive oil in the cake, flour and sugar, but not too much sugar, and cocoa powder and baking soda and baking powder, usual suspects, and then buttermilk and eggs and vanilla extract. Then you make this glaze... And, you know, these beets in here are you can use red or golden and you kind of poach them and then you you put them in the food processor and they become a puree and it just disappears in the cake. But the cake is unbelievably moist and yet Mm -hmm. has a denseness. You know, his idea of vegetal sweetness is just a beautiful description. Mm -hmm. I love that, Matt.
5: It works really well. It works really nicely. What is a huge part of cooking for me is to... Encourage people to not be afraid. I think that, you know, we're at our best in the kitchen when we're willing to take some chances and, you know, kind of look around at our plethora of ingredients that are that surround us as consumers these days. I mean, the amount of things that are in the marketplace is unprecedented, right? We have yeah. access to the most incredible foodstuffs. And so to kind of look at those and not be afraid and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take homegrown with me into the market. I'm going to look around I'm going to see what I can pull off the shelves or out of the bins uh, and utilize them in new ways that may be interesting. It might be a little scary, but the results are totally delicious.
4: All I can say is amen. Yeah, yeah. me
2: too. <laughs> me too. So yeah. hey, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Food Schmooze with us.
5: My pleasure. Thanks for having me guys. Okay, see you, Matt. See you Take soon. Take care, Matt.
2: We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3. You know our rule: Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
0: When they come to mind.